The Inside Story is a podcast that dives deep into the world of whistleblowing, uncovering the untold tales from behind closed doors. Join us as we explore the challenges and impacts of speaking out to stop harm. Jonathan Taylor is a whistleblower that alerted the authorities to large-scale systemic corruption in the oil industry. His disclosures about SBM offshore led to criminal prosecutions and multi-million dollar fines being levied in four different countries. In October 2022, Jonathan Taylor welcomed the ruling of the Monaco Appeal Court, which in his words, will give him back control over his life. The extradition attempt marked the end of Taylor's career as a lawyer in the oil and gas industry, wrecked his marriage and cost him a year of his life. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jonathan. Very much looking forward to having this conversation with you. My first question to you is, what is your whistleblowing story? Can you walk us through it? I came across um, information um, which suggested my now former employer had been bribing uh, to win contracts in the offshore oil and gas industry. So I'd been with the company for about eight years, had no reason to believe that was the case. Then through a combination of phone calls from an external lawyer, um, the sluice gates opened and those that were on the outside and had no idea um, soon became aware. And so that which I found out in the few remaining months I was at the company, SBM Offshore, it's beginning the oil and gas service industry, um, Around $250 million had been paid in bribes in five years alone um, up until 2011. Um, Once the rat was out of the bag, there were a lot of very um, nervous senior uh, management personnel, frankly, running around like headless chickens. The point being is that this was top-down corruption. It was in the fabric of the company. It wasn't uh, just um, one or two uh, salesmen doing their own thing. Um, This was based on contracts um, signed by senior management, often um, the CEO himself. Um, And the company (coughs) soon decided it wanted to limit um, the amount it told the authorities. So now legal involved, I was a lawyer with uh, SBM, and we had hired an external law firm to help investigate what we were beginning to find out. And a policy was soon arrived at of containment. Um, And what the company was aiming to do was to to limit as much as possible that which it told the authorities and also which authorities it would go to. And so it was initially trying to limit it to the... Um, bribes that had been exposed um, in Equatorial Guinea, which represented way less than sort of 6 or 7% of this 250 million. The main bribes, of course, were in in Brazil and Angola. Ultimately, my position was made impossible because now I was on the inside, as it were. I knew all this information, and um, if I wasn't careful, I'd I'd start being associated with this attempt at cover-up and telling select authorities only a part of the picture. Um, and this ultimately ended when a newly appointed um, chief uh, governance and compliance officer, someone called Sita Hepkema, 
straight in from Alan Overy, decided that um, uh, there was no future for me in the company, um, which I pretty much decided myself, of course. And um, I left about sort of four or five months after this exposure. Um, ultimately, I could see the company, just through its press releases, were, again, overtly seeking to, to limit um, the information it, it gave out um, and pretending there was nothing going on uh, elsewhere outside of Africa. And it was becoming more overt and obvious that it was getting away with... Um, with corporate murder, if you like, um, in, 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 in these bribes and making these bribes. So ultimately, some while after I left the company, having already tipped off the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, in the United States, who determined they didn't have jurisdiction, I ultimately ended up traveling the world, uh, helping various prosecutors from the Netherlands, from the UK, Switzerland, Brazil, uh, the United States, um, and over a period of time, a total of, I think the current figure is $843 million um, was levied in fines against SBM. Um, the most recent former CEO was in prison for three years. The chap before him was got a suspended sentence and fined $500,000 uh, and other imprisonments of certain salesmen. So... From a whistleblowing perspective, it's probably fair to say that um, I was quite successful. Um, I was certainly wrung out um, of information, which I didn't mind. I was passing all this information on, and um, I didn't mind that that was the purpose of what I set out to do. It's really important to understand the, the consequences of, of, in this case, the payment of bribes. So I mean, two good examples is by paying uh, hundreds of millions to kleptocrats. So these are typically... Um, individuals working in national oil and gas um, companies. That money is being diverted from where it should be going to the state and um, uh, basic you know, investments in infrastructure, things like you know, hospitals and schools and roads and that sort of thing. So it's keeping people, bribes are actually keeping people under the poverty line in a country typical uh, of, of is, is Angola and Brazil. But furthermore, SBM are also paying amounts to um, a political party, the Workers' Party in Brazil, and the sum of three hundred thousand dollars, illicitly, um, to to try and um, garner favour with the, uh, the, the at the time the the first presidential election, with someone called Dilma Rousseff, and and therefore it was also undermining democracy in what is the fourth largest democracy in the world. So you know, it's important to not just look at bribes and the sort of the just the payments to procure contracts, but also wider than that and the effects the payments of bribes can have and the very negative effects at that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. It's certainly a very, very inspiring one and you've shed light on, on some really, really damning stories within within your industry. So if you had to sort of pick out the, the biggest challenges you faced in, in coming forwards, what would those be? So now I was persona non grata um, in Monaco. So that's where SBM had its main office. It um, was, it is the biggest private sector employer there. And obviously persona non grata within the management um, of SBM for breaching um, the, uh, the confidentiality provisions or non-disclosure agreements provisions um, upon my leaving. Um, and so first of all, I faced 
what is known as a SLAP, Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation, where I was um, sued by SBM in Rotterdam uh, for making what it claimed were three false statements regarding the payments of those $250 million, um, the fact that the company was trying to cover up the extent of its corrupt activities, and also in so doing was not being forthright and straight with the markets. All of those statements were actually true. Fortunately, um, I found a very good lawyer, Otto Volgenant, of Burke's Advocates in, in Amsterdam, um, who uh, agreed a, a very good rate, and he was able to defend me, put in an excellent defense with 127 um, exhibits, and hey presto, the, the, the matter went away. There's a rather odd legal tool in the, in the uh, Dutch legal world called a nihil, um, and that means um, a plaintiff can reduce its claim at any given time to, to zero, and in so doing, the court basically dismisses the case. So I never really got my day in court, which was unfortunate. Um, in the meantime, before they served the risk on me, they got a, a freezing order on my house and my bank account. And so occasionally you hear people trying to defend um, slaps or defend the ability of um, companies of large pockets to uh, be able to take such proceedings against individuals um, being in the interests of, of what may or may not be a good case and the court could find out. But when when you, your bank account in itself is frozen, you can't afford, you can't pay to defend yourself. That puts a, another light on that. Um, so the slap was, was defeated, but it, it, of course it had that freezing effect on me and it was very tough fortunately for only a few weeks, wondering how on earth I was going to get through this, how I was going to afford to defend myself. They wanted me to pay 600,000 um, euros and then sign a statement which would then be published internationally and on their website and various newspapers saying I was wrong and what I'd said wasn't true and the court had ordered that I'd pay compensation, that sort of thing. That fortunately went away. Um, just as things were, were getting on an even keel again, um, I was arrested under an Interpol red notice um, in Croatia, where I was going on a family holiday on the 30th of July, 2020. Um, it seems as though SBM had um, reported me back in 2014, would you believe, for attempted uh, extortion, this frivolous and vexatious claim, anything to get me, anything to try and ruin me. Um, and. Monaco ultimately went ahead and um, contacted uh, Interpol. Interpol wrongly, they should never have, they should have looked into the facts. There was no trial awaiting me. There was no sentence. Normally one or, one or other of those things that normally need to be in situ for um, a red notice to be issued. They're most commonly issued against mass murderers and war criminals and drugs barons and um, paedophiles and, and whatnot, not, not whistleblowers. But unfortunately, it left me in uh, in Croatia for, for 50 weeks. I had spent five days in jail um, and then was on bail. I had to visit the local police station twice a week and pay some bail. Ultimately, even though Interpol withdrew uh, the red notice in December um, 2020, the damage was done. I was now in the Croatian legal system. Ultimately, the... Court of Appeal on the third time of asking determined that I should be extradited 
And fortunately, the uh, justice minister, Ivan Malenza of, of Croatia, overruled that decision. And I was uh, allowed to, to leave and left on the 17th of July, 2021. In the meantime, um, my, my career is in tatters, as was my marriage. Um, and I just lost, lost a year of my life. So it's been a high price to pay. That sounds like an incredibly stressful and difficult situation, not just on a practical and financial level, but on a personal level too. Um, and certainly is a good example of of the sort of impacts of, of blowing the whistle on whistleblowers. If there was one measure, policy or even attitude that would have made blowing the whistle easier for you, what would that have been? So obviously, um, from what I've said, um, clearly protection. So as I said, I was I was wrong for all, all the knowledge I had, which I was again perfectly uh, happy to 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 be. Um, but then I was put out to dry. So all those prosecutors that I mentioned um, earlier, all those all, the, all those countries, you know, just stood by and um, and, and did nothing um, when I was arrested. Um, for bribery and corruption, by the way, that was the box that was ticked uh, on the Interpol um, uh, sheets um, explaining uh, the, the basis upon which I'd been arrested. Um, I had been actively helping the serious uh, fast, sorry, serious fraud office in London um, at the time of my arrest, as I had been um, before uh, on the case called Unoil, and also helping to confiscate certain of SBM's Brazilians' agents' property in London. But once I was arrested, um, I was uh, I was left alone and um, I to- felt totally isolated. Indeed, the government's official position was um, they needed to be needed to be proved that there was a link between my arrest at uh, Dubrovnik Airport and my being a whistleblower. Fortunately, thanks to um, the support group um, of which Protect played a major part, and my case was um, debated under an emergency question in the November 2020 in the House of Commons and the House of Lords. 22 cross-party MPs adroitly in in support of me. That was on the Monday, and by the Friday, the government had changed its its, its policy view on me and, um, and determined that Croatian Monaco should treat me like a whistleblower. I'm not sure what difference that that ultimately made, but probably the publicity helped and upped the pressure. Um, but generally in life, it's not right that um, whistleblowers uh, should receive, as I said, slaps. Um, uh, it's not right that whistleblowers should be on the wrong end of a red notice. It's not right that um, the British Embassy in in in, in this case, in Zagreb, did, did little or nothing of substance to help me. Um, whistleblowers desperately um, require protection. Lawmakers the, the world over need to be more aware of, of stories like mine to be able to legislate accordingly. So a law protecting me and protecting a potential whistleblower who'd run a mile if they knew my story, um, given what happened to me, against slaps, against um, summary uh, arrests um, in foreign countries, um, for example, that's the sort of protection whistleblowers require. And prosecutors actually being prepared to speak to each other 
and where necessary help uh, whistleblowers um, uh, who find themselves in a position I did. Whistleblowers require protection. The world is not yet ready. And finally, what is your message to individuals who find themselves in a similar position to you, witness wrongdoing in their workplace and think they want to speak out about it? To think long and hard about unforeseen consequences of doing so. Um, If they do alert uh, the authorities, ensure that they do so with the guarantee of anonymity. That single piece of advice above all was probably the most important and obviously wasn't the case with me, but to do so, to blow the whistle um, anonymously through third parties who can then go in uh, and investigate. Um, where I worked, as I, as I said, the fabric of the company was, was corruption. That's how it paid, the payments of bribes was how it um, determined uh, its business uh, model. And you will find that often there aren't places in, within the company that you can blow the whistle to. And if you do, they're, they're ultimately, even, not, even not, not, not at the surface, they're backed up by lawyers who just want to protect the company and can't necessarily be trusted. Um, to be very wary of who you blow the whistle to, and preferably third parties, and seek anonymity. Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Anytime.